All right. Welcome back. Episode 39 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max Gilded Edition. Gilded Collection Edition? Gilded Collection Edition. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Gilded Collection Shiny Card. Yeah. Gilded Collection, easy money move for the edition of Max this week. I don't know. I've been seeing just a few people ripping it, just like the big breakers. The For those that don't know what the fuck we're talking about, we're talking about Topps Chrome Gilded Edition, Gilded Collection that came out for 2022. Just in case you didn't think there was enough Wander Franco Topps Chrome rookie cards out there. Yeah, it'd be like if Topps Gold Label like had got a divorce and then married Topps uh, Chrome. Topps Chrome marrying Topps Gold Label and then having Topps Gilded Collection as the hot stepdaughter. <laughs> I don't know what the what that was, but take with, with that what you will. But Max, you're wearing a jean jacket right now. I am. And everyone knows what that means. If you listen to this podcast, you know that jean jacket means business. Means what card sort of, show. Yeah, it means card show, means card business. What sort of business you get up to today? I went to two card shows today. I went to one card show yesterday. I had a lot of fun driving. No, just kidding. The driving wasn't very fun. But I woke up and left the house at about 6.30, hit the Garfield, New Jersey show. And that's an interesting show in that Kind of like most Northeastern small shows all kind of have the same vibe for those that aren't in the Northeast. I'd say it's like 50% modern, 50% vintage, but like the vintage people are the high rollers that have literally been in the hobby since before Jurassic Park. And they usually are kind of firmish on pricing and pretty annoying to deal with. Although I usually just, and I think most other people can relate, just ignore the vintage dealers entirely. I am on my um, rebirth, learning vintage. I've been baptized into Leaf and Topps T06. I've been having a lot of wacky pickups from lots of different sets lately. I'm learning about Mano and Maze and Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson, and I'm buying their cards, which is uncharted territory for me. This is this is big. I feel like last week we teased out some vintage stuff talking with Hayden. And now you're out here making some serious moves. You're learning about vintage. You're learning about Leaf before Brian Gray was even around, before he Brian was even Gray born. Brian Gray is a real human being. <laughs> but he was not the human being who made the original Leaf cards out there. But uh, That's correct. I want to um, hear. I will, I will say, though. So I went to, I want to give you my full kind of schedule because, like, I woke, excluding the two hour show I drove to yesterday in Freehold, that was terrible and not worth it. I woke up. So I had two local, consistent, small shows, one in Garfield, New Jersey. I woke up at, I started driving at 6 30, got there at about 7 30 ish. I stayed there. I wanted to leave at nine to get to my local show at 10 on the drive back. But I stayed there till 9.30, got to my local show at about 11, which is 20 minutes from my house. And that is also a very vintage-heavy kind of show. Vintage-heavy kind of saying that, let's say half of the dealers are legitimately vintage. And it's old-school kind of Long Island. The show, I've been to this show before COVID. It is a mainstay of the show. The promoters own, own half of the national. And 
there's so so often when I'm going through these showcases, I over the past years that I've gone to these shows, I've just ignored it. I'm like, oh, Mickey Mantle, cool. And then I just like, you know, walk by without any sort of understanding. So now going through it with a little bit more of higher intelligence and recognition, at least of what a good deal and a bad deal is and how to judge a good two, good PSA two from a bad PSA two and I appeal and whatever it may be has been enlightening. It's added some spice to it. And I don't have to just hate that modern sellers won't just sell at 80 at X percent. There's a little bit more of a game to it with vintage that I so far have liked. I also can say I've not sold any real vintage cards yet. So right now I'm totally going on a whim and just learning from what others have done and trying to incorporate that myself. I saw a tweet yesterday, Max, that said that when you grow older, you unlock new areas of Target that you shop in. So like you go to college, you unlock like dorm accessory aisle of Target. You, you know, buy a house, you unlock another area of Target. And if you have a kid, you unlock like the baby section of Target and like so on and so forth. I think that cards and card shows are the same. Like you're learning vintage and now you're unlocking like new areas of card shows that you can go into and make deals with. And um, I think that's awesome to hear because like I know that those shows you're going to a lot. And in my head, like whenever I'm going to a show for the second, like for a repeat time, like I kind of have a general idea of where I need to go to to finally get deals. And I know that you go to these shows like pretty weekly and pretty regularly. So um are you feeling like you're kind of because like at these shows, are you going to like the same tables every time or like do you usually? Yes. Give or you know, I have an understanding of which dealers I'm friendlier with and where each one specializes in this being able to distinguish between the baseball tables and the ones that are going to buy for me at 82 percent comps and the other ones that are going to buy it for me at 78 percent, which is why I don't sell at shows. <laughs> but and then I kind of have an idea of, okay, we're relative to comps. Who, who has better inventory and who is always going to have new inventory? I know this has been something that's been discussed in the past of the freshness of inventory and stuff not being stale. Because when you have, especially the older gentlemen, money have been there pre-COVID, that are just sitting on the same stack of Ronald Acuna Bowman drafts, non-first PSA 10 rookies. You've seen it 20 times. It's not a cool card. He's not going to give you a good deal. And there's no point in bothering. So, <laughs> yep. but in regards to vintage dealers, I gloss over them in the same way because they don't have anything relevant to me, just as the second Bowman, Ron Cunha Jr. dealer doesn't either. But I unlocked the ability to talk to the tobacco card dealers. And they're interesting guys. They're a little bit overpriced, but they can be because no, you know, they don't have to sell to you, even though I want to buy off them. But they... I know, especially in this, in the hobby, in buying and collecting or whatever it is, like if you throw enough money at someone, maybe they cave and do a lower percentage and you have some room and some meat on the bone. But some of these people don't even need it just because they've built so much cards and cards turns to cash and then turns back to cards. There are already yeah. a few levels above that. <laughs> what? So we talked a little bit about your theory here. You talked about what you the what you've been up to, but. I think what people are more interested in and what I'm excited to hear about, which is what are the cards that you have bought and so far in vintage and what have you, what have been your strategies? I know you bought some on PWCC the other week that we didn't, I don't think we've talked about yet. So go back, tell the people 
What have yeah. you been buying? So I want to say, I think the day of the Hayden throwing Chet episode was when I bought a Ty Cobb T206 red portrait. And it was a PSA 2. It has a noticeable crease by Ty Cobb's head. And Ty Cobb is essentially the best player in that set. That's not Eddie Plank or Honus Wagner. And Cobb's cards are relatively printed in a normal amount, an acquirable amount as well to where you can usually find one or so or free or a few on the market. A PSA two looked really nice. It, I don't remember the back. I think it was a Piedmont back, whatever. I then bought a Walter Johnson. Tommy, do you know who Walter Johnson is? Have you been studying those Ken Burns baseballs? Don't, don't even try to question my knowledge on the big train. Okay. I will not even try to question your knowledge on the big train. Um, so with these T206s, a lot of the players, especially the more popular players, they have more than one card. Like Ty Cobb has a red portrait, a green portrait. The green portrait's a little bit more rare than the red portrait and is desirable and pricey because of that. And then he ha- Ty Cobb has a, I think a hand, no, bat on shoulder, a bat on, and a bat off shoulder, bat off. And those are the other. Those is, there, is, Ty is, there a, is there a bat down Cobb too? Bat down. Yeah, Gatorade. it's a Gatorade bath. They, they got a Gatorade bath one too, I'm sure. Yeah, they of course they have a Gatorade bath. But and even like some other variations, like black cap, white cap, with some other players. But um, so I bought the more desirable but cheaper version of the Cobbs. I think the bat on shoulder, bat off shoulder. They're not as cool. They're not like the silhouette kind of style card. I bought a Walter Johnson hands at chest because there's like another one you know that not the portraits and that's cool beautiful beautiful psa 2 it has a little mark on it now it was graded before the days where psa gave qualifiers so i think otherwise it would have graded a little bit higher um yeah so those are the two main t206 purchases i bought on whenever we recorded this last week those are cool i like you're going for the you know the classic cards max go for the best players from these sets as like kind of an entry point which i think is smart is that like conscious that you're doing that like i know these names i know that they're like the true goats like i'm not gonna fuck around with like some low name t206 as like your first purchase there uh it's funny because i bought a low name t206 today at a local show (laughs) it was one of my few, few buys but i think look I'm a student of cards, as one of our good friends, Gibby Cardstacks, will say. I'm a student of cards. I go to Cards University. I like sports. I played sports. I wasn't very good at sports. I've been involved in some sports. I like learning the history of some sorts, even though I will even blatantly say baseball history can be really dense and boring. Like, And I'm saying this as someone who just bought a bunch of the cards. But this, this is cards. This is how they made cards. This is how they distributed cards. I'm not going to be a vintage old head, you know, yapping about how you bought the 200 hitter in double a while i spent you know however much on a dead guy you know it's like okay i not my goal is to never be one of those guys but it's all cards it's still psa and sgc it's still grading it's still really cool recognizable players there are always cards that people want and you don't have to exaggerate any of it like the cards speak for themselves so you're saying that if you were around during the early 1900s, you probably would have tried to get get addicted to cigs to you know pick up as much as you could. Yeah, I would have ripped a lot of darts. <laughs> um, 
but it seems like you're thinking about vintage in the same way that we talk about modern cards with the variations the bat like what you know which rare variation is you know important and like what there's like differences with each of those like the backs i know with t206 is big but i also know that t206s kind of are like their own community of collectors and that um like the community of people who collect t206s is like an offshoot of the hobby kind of it's kind of like its own obviously like all cards there's like a lot of micro communities and stuff but i think t206 is probably one of the bigger ones of those um so where have you been going for information to like learn about these cards? Have you been mostly asking dealers at shows about them and the different variations? Or are you hitting hitting the old blow up forums account and reading some? Or uh, I forget what the other place was that Hayden was talking about. I've read a little bit of Net54, which is another more vintage heavy message board. It's all right. Um, it's a lot of just general discussion and what the community has picked up and thoughts on certain specific things. Well, I don't think, again, maybe I haven't done my digging, but I've found really the top-notch resources there rather than that's just the community gathering place. Um, T206.com, or I think T206resource.com is the name of it. Really nice site. Um, there's a lot to learn. I know PSA has articles written about the registry. Because you think about like PSA's inception, Tommy, the first card ever graded was the Wayne Gretzky-owned Honus Wagner. I mean, PSA was made for this. They are literally built different than anyone else just to be able to grade tobacco cards. So this is the genesis of cards. This is the genesis of grading. And they have a lot of internal resources on that. I do think it's a little bit interesting that Joe Orlando, the former head of PSA, is now like one of the highest ups at Heritage Auction. So that and of course, Nat Turner focuses most of his collecting on 90s basketball, which is sick, but just shows how the focus of the company has changed just in who is the CEO and who's operating a president in that regard. But those are resources that I look at. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in post-war vintage. I just try to stick to the big names. I want to shout out the best number one fan of the podcast, Saratoga Slabs, because I try to learn every single day. And he has been someone who I can watch and I'd be like, well, wow, you're buying this card because it's cool. So he's a cool guy and a number one fan. I have to do my little shout out there. But See, I think T206 and specifically pre-war stuff is more attractive to me lately because of the variations, because of the history behind it. We've talked before about me needing to fill a black, white, mini diamond, top chrome parallel set just so that I can scratch the itch of set collecting. And at least where I can diversify a little bit in this older stuff where set collecting is still alive, that's what fuels my heart. I love that. I love to hear what Max is up to. I love to hear that you're into collecting. I, I think that this is spurring a little interest, uh, a collecting interest in you that I always love to see. Um, but I want to hit on something that you briefly talked about when you were mentioning the cards that you picked up. Uh, the Walter Johnson, you said, you know, this is an old PSA slab. And this is something that I have been thinking about when thinking about vintage and what I hear vintage people talk about is just like, knowing what old slabs look like and knowing what grading companies the like how hard and soft grading companies were at each like level of slab so like you just said old psa focused on t206 cards modern psa company as a company you know much more focused on the modern stuff 
So is this something like I know SGC has a very a plethora of old slabs with like SGC grading.com on the slab and like the, the hundred scale. Um, is that something now that you also are learning about? Like, oh, when SGC slabs looked like this, they were really soft on grading these cards. If you can find, you know, certain ones graded this in this scale from this era of grading. Is that I like think, something that you're learning about or now? I think there's a distinguishment between the conspiracy theory ideal of oh, they're grading harder than they're grading now. And this PSA 2 would actually be a PSA 1. Um, and I want to keep that separate than what I was thinking of with the Walter Johnson. When I'm saying old label, um, I know nowadays we have cards in the, we have eight numbers. And the first number is begins with a six. During COVID and the pandemic, it was about a four. That was that first digit. And now we're just entering that seven digit of seven X, 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 you're talking you're talking like the serial number yeah on the serial the number yeah yeah the serial number of my walter johnson is a one for context and the reason why i'm saying different grading standards is because qualifiers weren't always a thing on cards before if your card were a seven oc for off center that means the card would have gotten a seven if it weren't off center but back then they wouldn't have given it seven oc they would have given it five without mentioning of the centering so in this context with the Walter Johnson, you can argue I appeal because I appeal is a subjective itself. But this Walter Johnson plausibly could have gotten a PSA 4, PSA 5. And if it were regraded, it would have the MK marking qualifier on it rather than it just being a PSA 2. I don't, I don't think know if that helps or hurts, but it definitely makes it seem like it presents more than the average PSA 2. That, that's, that's interesting. I don't think we've ever even talked about the qualifying aspect of grading on the pod before but is that another aspect that you are learning about or is that something you've already kind of knew about like i i know in passing that i understand the oc one mk as a mark um is there different levels to how much each of those qualifiers like dampens the, the value of a card or is that out of your realm of knowledge right now i know generally speaking the qualifier will mark the monetary value of the card down about two grades I think for eye appeal, it just depends. Like if there's a tiny pinhole on the card, that actually may not have a qualifier, but that'll still lead to a PSA one when the card will otherwise perform much higher. And so especially like with a marking, well, how bad is the marking? Did someone scribble on glasses on Mickey Mantle's head? Or is it just like a tiny little thing of crayon? You know, yeah. that's what matters and how much it dampens the appeal of it. Yeah, I know that like Mike Baker for PWCC will do like his like, oh, this is a gold diamond eight, meaning it's like a really good version of the eight. Like I it's kind of like a qualifier for I appeal. Um, and I know I appeal is like a hot, hot, hot button word to say in vintage, like the I appeal is good is like a it's like saying pack fresh or something. I feel like um, it like has value in some regard, but it's also like hard to quantify. Mm -hmm. Um do you have any other vintage thoughts before we uh, transition the topic a sec, Max? Or um... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to do cool things and things that I can make money on. Um, yeah. And if I'm holding it for a while before I make money, that works as well. Um, and I think just as how I stick to relatively short printed cards in order to leverage previous sales in my favor, as well as the exclusivity and lowest price on the market aspect within reason to put that in my favor as well. 
doing that with vintage is just especially more common, especially when the context is not every one is equal and not every two is equal and not every three is equal, but every one is equal. <laughs> Clip that for sure. But wait, before we move on, can you tell us about the card you bought today? That you I bought, have not, have I bought three. I bought three cards today. All right, cool. Yeah, run through. Run through. Yeah, I bought a. I feel bad. I don't know the guy's name, but it was a cool card. Um, I bought an SGC one old mill back. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but old mill is one of the more shorter print cards. Oh, sorry, Bill Sweeney. It was an SGC two. Looks really cool. Tommy, you can't see the crease there, but there is a tiny crease like on his chest. And this is an old mill back. Old mill is one of the scarcer backs. Um, I know Piedmont is statistically count, accounts for about 40% of all backs. And Sweet Capital is about another 20%. And then 40% of the remaining backs is everything else. So just being able to pick up an old mill that presents well and that I could maybe because I'd be the lowest old mill of Bill Sweeney available. And some people want their back runs and some people want their Bill Sweeney. So we were like, oh, that's just good value for a back. And also it has a little tiny little mark on the back above the D in old mill. That was about a hundred bucks. And that's pretty cool. This is the first one that I have in hand. I'm still waiting for the Ty Cobb and Walter Johnson to become in hand. So having this in hand, pretty cool. Is uh, Do people do like rainbows with the T206s then with the backs? Like, is that the game that people do? I think that's what some people do, which is like, sick right yeah, that's cool because there's like a billion not a billion but there's a good quantity of different backs and some of them are just like so scarce like ty cobb backs are only on ty cobb cards and i think there's only like 20 of them in existence and i think every copy that sells has six figures that's it. and they're mostly on the red portrait i think so that's really cool and i think even just like some people just chase the back because like wow, there's a certain back and it hasn't appeared in so long. Yeah, There's so many intricacies and variations to it that it's cool. I've heard also that some people do like team runs. Like some people do the entire Yankees for that set Yeah, or the Washington Senators. And that's how some people get the joy of collecting. Because from I was listening to a podcast. One of them, one of the podcasts and you said there's only been like maybe one set that's ever done like the full 526 or season four yeah. yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Even doing a full 520 set is really, really crazy. I was talking to a dealer today that said he bought one. He said he bought two 520 sets and one of them was actually a 521 set because they're Tommy just to give and the viewers, you know, what, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, have to, I have to give context for that. So there's four cards that are seen as essentially so obscenely difficult to acquire. That isn't it is not in any normal person's financial means to acquire them and that's the obvious honus wagner um who was taken out of quickly due to cigarette controversy or not wanting his name or likeness there's eddie plank who probably is the second or third best player in the set you know against cobb ty cobb and he i believe he was from virginia most of the cigarette companies were from the south and he did not want his name and likeness to be used by southern companies because after the civil war there's so a lot of tension that's my understanding of what the alleged reasoning behind it is and there's two other players that have slight variations in their team names that are just very i think one has like 100 copies the other has maybe like 20 or so 
and they just don't come up often when they do they do five figures so they're not very meaningful relative to the rest of the set so the full set that people consider the monster is 524 cards and then when people are legitimately doing a set they usually consider it the full 520 and they exclude those four cards all right that makes sense that makes sense yeah sorry for a little vintage bomb on you no this is all vintage bombs this is a vintage bomb episode Second right. card that I bought is a PSA 7 Roberto Clemente 1956 tops. It is PSA 7. It's a white back. I don't know the differences between white backs and gray backs for 1956 tops. I know white backs for Mantle are really, really expensive. I know the premium difference for Clemente is not that much, but it's a cool card. It presents well. I kind of bought it just as a little bit of a throw-in and just as because I thought I got good value on it. I bought that in addition to this. Funny little story with this. This Leaf. I'm so... Man. 1949 Bowman. I get Leaf and Bowman confused. This is 1949 Bowman Satchel Page. Kind of rookie card? Yeah, what's his rookie card debate? I don't know what the debate is. I don't know the entire card. debate. Um, I know that I think 48 Leaf and 49 Bowman were both kind of like rumored to release at the same time. But the 48 Leaf, it was a short print in Leaf. That's what a dealer told me or something. So the 49 Bowman's more common and less expensive. Got so it. now to put a more modern spin on it, for the for the 12 viewers watching on YouTube, because I know most of the people are podcast listeners, you can see this has a giant gash in the slab. So apparently the seller I bought this from Sold it on eBay. It went through eBay authentication. It failed eBay authentication because they said, oh, it has a little tiny, you know, little scratch on it. And it was sent back with this massive gash on the holder. Jeez. So my thinking is if I hold it for a few weeks and maybe next time I send out a PSA sub, I will just, because I know you can say if it's PSA's fault, that's, that's from my understanding, if it's PSA's fault, that's the holder is damaged or incorrect or something like that. They'll cover the fee. But if you mess up the, if it's for your reasons, you pay, pay the fee. But regardless, I'll probably hold it for until I send out my next PSA sub or unless it sells in that time. But if I do hold it until that time that I would submit next, I'll probably just get it reholdered. Oh, also. Yeah. So eBay authentication gave the buyer a hundred bucks for the massive gash. A hundred bucks. They just, they slip a hundred in like the return package or something. Yeah. Something like that. But that's just a wild story of like, oh, yeah, eBay authentication sucks. I'm like, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, no, we actually sold. And I was able to pull up their completed sale, and it's the exact same side without the huge crack in it. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. that's a funny eBay authentication story. That's ridiculous. But Satchel Page, a legend. Uh, I like that those buys for you. Clemente and Page, I don't think you can go wrong with. It seems like you're you're really going with your same strategy that you do with modern you know, baseball guys with the old guys, and I like to see that. And um i feel like i am excited to start the the vintage journey with you as like oh max bought this vintage card this week as as well as this random you know national treasures rpa of a basketball yeah, player this jordan aurora desmond bain dual auto rpa <laughs> the dual logo man yeah um, those are the two players of the podcast yeah they really are for sure <laughs> um max did you buy anything else? Did you, well, actually, I want to hear about sell. Did you sell anything this week? I saw I saw some good sales. You did a Twitter sale last night. Um, did you have any action on that at all? I had a little bit. Um, I moved a big boy. I moved a Soto Gatorade bath. 
which is one that I've owned, owned for a few months, but I know it's going to a good home. And I was like pretty sticky on the price to begin with and not wanting to be too flexible on it. Like I've had people offer, you know, cause it's a like $3,000 card, give or take. I've had people offer me like 250 bucks under my bottom price. And I'm just like, no, no, no. I've had like five or six people offer that. But then I got to what was in my head, my bottom. And I'm like, okay, let's do the deal. I'm happy to get it into your home. You sold and a couple of sodas last night, right? I sold the gold sliding rookie cup as well. Nice. So that's, that's a win. But I'm, do you think the for you page of Twitter is ruining stack sales? I think the for you page is always there. I just think with Elon, it's been reconfigured to where it's now like a tab. And it's like the deep rather than like search from latest or search from home. Mm -hmm. I was always a search from latest chat. I like to see things as they show up. I oh, want to yeah. be first. I don't want to be the, I don't want to see the popular tweets. I want to see the tweets that get censored and shut down. Let me comment <laughs> on those. For real. But, but it, it's good. It was good to see some action on your sale last night because I feel like there's been a lot of like, oh, you can't sell on social media anymore and like the stack sale, story sale type way because there's not enough buyers. But, you know, you have a pretty big reach on Twitter and, you know, you can still sell cards when you want to. I mean, my biggest, what I was doing for most of the night, I was just going to my eBay store, which has pictures already taken, especially pictures on my desk and not just like scans. I think people are anti-scan because they're less attractive. But I go to my ebay store and i'm like oh what hasn't sold and it's like oh here's this seven dollar card let's just copy control c control v post it in for five bucks instead of seven you know that was like part of it because like the pictures were already taken and part of the issue with running a stack sale is the legwork but part of why i'm going to be careful with my language here because they can be said in a very bad way but part of why i think ebay is supreme to everything else is that i just list the things and i'm done i don't have to relist it i don't have to tweet about it 20 times and even when i'm tweeting it's like, okay, I just go to my eBay listing. I have it titled out and ID'd. I have it priced for the most part. I mean, there's items that, you know, oh, okay, I have my item at 15 bucks when lowest available is five. When, excuse me, when last sold was five. There's times like that where it's like, okay, maybe I have to recomp it to make sure I'm fair. But usually it's just dropping a buck or two off my ask and putting it on Twitter. And of course, getting that eyes. And regardless of platform, it's pretty easy to get a few hundred impressions on any tweet you send out. That be, might be more than your eBay listing of your niche card gets in 30 days. Yeah. And with social media, it's not as much about who sees it. Like you're not, like you're not tweeting out the Juan Soto Gatorade bath thinking necessarily that the person, the buyer who's looking for that card is going to see your tweet, but you are massively increasing the odds that someone who knows someone who's trying to buy a Soto Gatorade bath is going to see the card. And that's why I like Twitter for selling a lot more than Instagram is because you could, a retweet on a sale post on Twitter is Huge. massively powerful compared to like Instagram. There's not really an equivalent retweet where like you can show it on your page and everything. Um, and yeah, on Instagram, you can like send a sale post to someone who might be interested to it, but it's not as much like a direct um it's not as open, which I think is fun. Like on Twitter, like I can tag someone on one of Max's tweets about a car, like a card that he's selling. I know someone who might be interested. I can tag them. They can tag two other people who might want to buy it too. And, you know, I think that's a very powerful mechanism that Twitter like provides that not all social media has. But um, all right, Max, we're closing down here. I need to hear one more. I'm going to do one card that I bought and then I'm going to let you do 
whatever uh, whatever closing card or deal that you want to bring up. But I bought a 2013 Panini Panini baseball card, and I think I got this card for an absolute steal because of that. Um, it's a tri relic of three of the best left-handed pitchers of all time. It's Warren Spawn, Clayton Kershaw, and Madison Bumgarner. So it's <laughs> it's a three pl- three pitcher relic. Um, kind of a fun one it's one of those like floating head type looking cards so it's like they're all like floating heads with like a relic um my parents claim to have almost named me warren when i was born so as a lefty pitcher i also was always a big fan of warren spawn as a baseball of the history nut so um i've kind of been wanting to get a nice warren spawn card for a little bit and then i saw this one on ebay for auction and i was like you know what this is pretty dope you know, Madison Bumgarner, obviously one, one of my favorite players of all time. So nice little tri-relic uh, vintage adjacent card, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you don't. Adjacent. Vintage adjacent. <laughs> um, all right, Max, last uh, last dealer card you want to talk about? Cards. You're done? You have nothing else? You're, you, you left I, it all I always have a lot, a lot else, but I think the cards speak for themselves. Yeah, I think I think I'm, I am loving the ho- I am loving the hobby, as many would say. I'm going to California next week. I'm going to be bringing my cards. I am going to be buying some cards, and I'm going to be selling some cards. And then, Tommy, maybe I see you at the Ludic show. Maybe, maybe I'm excited to see about your experience at Burbank. I've heard nothing but good things about that show. So. Max is traveling across the country next week for a show. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. So make sure to come back. Stay tuned next week for a. a I'll nice bring more Pete Alonzo autos and dead guys. Are you on with Logan? Yes. Should we maybe maybe Logan next? Is Logan maybe want to come on next episode if we uh we allow him to? I think you can cold approach him. <laughs> we can. Uh, we can. Yeah, I think he might be down. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, you know. Just, just freaking keep doing cards, man. Just keep collecting. Keep, keep on, keep on collecting. You know, that's I'm, what they I'm, say. I'm cardsing some cards right now. Yeah. That's that's for sure. And are you, you are cardsing some cards as well, Mister Mister Cards full time. Yeah, I literally and, work for a card company. I'm going to be doing nerdy little chemistry and like applying for like med school stuff. That's so <laughs> boring. It's not even baseball cards. Well, you know more about Piedmont backs than I do, so you get. I'll give you that. If oh you, my God. yeah, I guess I do. If anyone out there has any random vintage anecdotes that they want us to say on the podcast about random sets or anything, feel free to reach out because I lack in my knowledge on weird, yeah. fun vintage please, stuff. Please DM us how much or how little vintage you know. Yeah, please. So see you guys possible, next week. Possible next episode mention. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I'll see everyone next episode. Peace out. Cards.